and welcome back to my podcast series Introduction to English Linguistics. After a little break when we did syntax via video, we're now going to start back with semantics. And specifically today we're going to talk about lexical semantics. So maybe you've gotten an argument with someone um, and you both interpret something a bit differently and eventually one of you says, yeah, you're just arguing semantics now. And actually, our sort of instinctive meaning of semantics gives us a good idea about what semantics is really about. Semantics has to do with the meanings of words, phrases, and sentences. Okay, so it's the study that looks at meaning, particularly word meaning. Okay, and lexical semantics examines the relationship among different word meanings. So let's look at the different types of relationships we can have. So for the first relationship, I'm going to start with something you've known about maybe your whole life, and that is synonymy. So synonyms are when you have two or more words that are closely related in meaning. Notice I didn't say they have the same meaning, but they have a similar meaning. Um, And that means that we can often, but not always, substitute one for another in a sentence. So let's think of words like big, large, humongous, gigantic, ginormous. Yeah, all of those words have a similar core meaning of being big, but we will agree that they don't all mean exactly the same thing because we have a sense that maybe one is bigger than the other. Okay, and that's why we don't want to say synonyms have the same meaning, but they do have similar meanings. Okay, now let's go to something that another thing you've probably known your entire life. And that's antonyms. And antonyms have to do with words that have opposite meanings. Of course, you've known what antonyms are your whole life. But today, let's look at antonyms more closely because we'll see that there are lots of different types of antonym relationships. So let's start with complementary antonyms. And complementary antonyms are opposites that exclude each other. So that means if you are one, you cannot also be the other. So, for example, if you are dead, you cannot also be alive. And it means with words like this, you, can't, you also can't like compare them or have superlatives because John cannot be deader than Mark. Yeah, like if John is dead, John is dead. And if Mark is alive, Mark is alive. Now, of course, in our slang ways of speaking and things like speaking and things like that, we might say, yeah, he was feeling so dead. But really, if you're dead, you're dead. Okay, so that's what we mean by complementary antonyms. If you're one, you cannot be the other. Yeah, so that's complementary antonyms. The other type of antonyms we have are gradable antonyms. Uh, And with gradable antonyms, what we see is that we can uh, have binary opposites that are poles on a scale. Okay, so whereas with complementary, you could either be dead or alive. With gradable antonyms, we can have a scale. So let's take, for example, old and young. If you ask a little eight-year-old, what do you think think old is? They might say old is 40. If you ask a 40-year-old, they might say 80. So those things, we have an idea of them having a scale. So that's why we can say older and oldest or younger and youngest. Okay, so sometimes when I talk to people who are in their 70s, they say, oh, you're still young. But if I talk to people who are like eight years old, they think I'm an old granny. Okay, because with gradable antonyms, we can have comparatives and superlatives and we have something, a sort of scale developing. Okay, 
Another type of antonyms we can have are reversives. And with reversives, it means that one member of the pair denotes the reverse of another. Now, this we can often see this by if we look at prefixes. So for example, so dress and undress. So undressing is the opposite of dressing. Uh, and it's the reverse of dressing. But we can also think of words like raise and lower. So if we have a flag and we raise the flag, the opposite of that would be to lower the flag. Okay, so those are reverses. When one member of the pair denotes the opposite of the other or the reverse of the other. Then another type of um, antonym that is sort of related to reversive, so you don't want to get them confused, are conversive. So conversiveness is when you have a reciprocal semantic relationship. Okay, so if I say John is my husband, um, that means that I am John's wife. Okay, so in order for John to be my husband, I must also be his wife. In order for somebody to be a parent, there must also be a child. Okay, so these are reciprocal semantic relationships. What relationship? One exists because of the other. Okay, we also have things like before and after. If something happened before, then something else must have happened after. Okay, so they're dependent on each other in that sense. Okay, so don't confuse them. Reversives would be like dress, undress, um, and conversives have this sort of dependency relationship on the other being there. Then we have directional antonyms. And directional antonyms are going to suggest that there's some sort of movement happening. So for example, top to bottom, or high to low, or up to down. Those are directional antonyms. And we can also have things like that go horizontally like left to right for example yesterday tomorrow yesterday tomorrow of course being us imagining time as linear but those are directional antonyms but again those are still antonyms okay so that is the idea of antonyms Synonym and antonyms are the only types of relationships that can exist between words. So in this section, we're going to talk about two sorts of hierarchical relationships, hyponymy and moronymy. So hyponymy, if you think of hyponymy, you already hear the word hypo or the prefix hypo. And hypo is anything that's lower, yeah? So if you have hypoglycemia, your sugar is lower, yeah? So a hyponym is a subordinate specific term uh, whose referent is included in the referent of a superordinate term. So it's the term that goes under something. And when you have the superordinate term, we can call that the hyponym with an ER. So hypo with an O is the one below and hyper with an ER is the one on top. Now, we know lots of hyponymous relationships. If we think, for example, of colors, so color would be our hyponym, ER, and our different hyponyms would be things like blue, red, yellow, green, black, purple. Those would be our hyponyms. Um, or we can think of our universities, that would be our hyponym. And then we can have the Rue University, the University of Duisburg Essen, the University of Cambridge, the University of Oxford, Manchester, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. All those would be hyponyms, right? So we have the superordinate hyponym and then the hyponyms being members of that. Now, within hyponyms, we can have different layers, yes? 
So if we go back to our university example, we, or no, rather than university example, let's use the color example. So we might start with red, green, blue, black, purple, for example, those would all be different colors. And then if we think of blue, we can have dark blue, light blue, navy blue, aquamarine, turquoise, all those would be different hyponyms of blue. Okay, so we can have the overall hyponym color and then the first level of co-hyponyms because words that are at the same level are co-hyponyms which would be red, blue, green, orange and then we can have blue now becoming a hyponym and then we have different types of blue so turquoise, aquamarine, royal blue and so on. Okay, so those are different types of hyponyms and hyponyms. Then we have um, moronymy. Moronymy is a hierarchical relationship that is part and whole. So it means that one element is part of a much larger element. So it goes to be part of something else. So for example, if you think of time, time is divided into meronyms. Okay, so we can have seconds, which add up to minutes, which add up to hours, which add up to days, which add up to weeks, which add up to years. Okay, so all those would be marinims of each other. So it's a part to whole. Or you can think of your body parts. So uh, if we think of the foot and you say toes, tendons, metatarsals, metacarpals and all those things, those are parts of the whole foot. Okay, so those are marinims, M-E-R. Okay, you can spell the rest. But maronyms should not be confused with the term metonym, right? So that's M-E-T-O. Um, and in metonymy, we have one entity that's being used to stand for another, okay? Um, and it's usually very symbolic and it's something we can make sense of. So for example, your classic metonym example is the White House announced. Now obviously we know that the White House can't talk. And we know it's probably a press secretary who came out and said something, okay? But we still say the White House announced, meaning, you know, the government of the United States or the president of the United States specifically. Or we might hear in current times, we might hear the Robert Koch Institute has said that. And again, we know the Robert Koch Institute itself cannot speak, but it's probably researchers at the Robert Koch Institute or the head of the Royal Court Institute, or something like that, yeah? So it's one entity being used to describe, um, to stand in for everything else. It's a sort of representative symbol relationship, okay? Um, the Kremlin, when we want to talk about the Russian government, would be another example of that. Okay, so that would be metonymy. Finally, the last group of um, lexical relations that I want to talk about in this podcast would be what I'm going to call the homo words. Those are words that have the same something, like they have same things with something else. So the first homo words are going to be our homophones. And homophones have the same sound, different meaning, and different spelling. And so, for example, you might have words like meat and meat. And meat would be, the first one would be something like chicken or beef, um, spelled M-E-A-T. Or we can have meat meaning meet a new person, M-E-E-T. 
okay so you can see they have different spellings but we say them the same and they have different meanings or you can have um, flower the thing you used to bake cakes or flower the beautiful things outside or maybe indoors okay one is f-l-o-u-r and one is f-l-o-w-e-r or we can have sew the thing you do with needle and thread um, sew the thing you do with seeds when you plant them in the ground or sew as in so I was tired, yeah? And one is S-E-W, that's needle and thread. S-O-W, that would be what we do with the plants, and S-O, okay? So those are homophones. Closely related to homophones, we have homonyms. And homonyms is when we have um, two words, or one form rather, that has two or more completely unrelated meanings. So, if we think, for example, of the bat that flies in the sky and the bat that we use to play cricket or baseball, uh, those two things don't have any relation to each other. Like if we were to check in an etymological dictionary, we would see that those two are not related to each other. So we would say they're homonyms. It's probably just like an error of uh, a mistake of chance or yeah, they probably came from different word classes or something when in the early history of English, but they're not related to each other. Okay, but they have the same form, okay, um, and the same spelling. So that's why they're different from homophones. So the other example of that would be like race and race. So race meaning ethnicity or race meaning the thing you run. Um, those two forms are etymologically unrelated, okay? So those are homonyms. Sometimes, however, we can have one form with multiple meanings that are etymologically related. So where we can see, okay, these two things do have to do with each other. One example of that would be foot, like the foot of a mountain or the foot on your feet, like the things you walk on. And we can guess that those are etymologically related because both of them have to do with something at the bottom of things, yeah? So yeah, we can guess those are off etymologically related or maybe even hand like the hands of a clock or the hands that you have both of them have some sort of pointing thing we can see how those might be etymologically related okay so it's really important that you can differentiate between homonyms which was the first side and the other things which are polysemes okay and these polysemes uh, they are etymologically related uh, and that means that in the dictionary, when we look for polysemes, we'll see that there'll be one entry, okay? Um, so if you're in the course, we'll talk a bit more about the difference between homophones and polys, sorry, homonyms and polysemes. But it's something that's really important to note um, what that difference is, okay? Okay, so that brings us to the end of our podcast on basically what is semantics and lexical semantics. There are a few other terms that you should be aware of. And if you're a member of this course, make sure that you've read the section on markedness, uh, lexical ambiguity, and what a semantic field is. We'll talk about that in this session. Also, be sure to do the exercises on Moodle. If you're not part of this course, thank you for listening. And... Hope you can tune in another time. Bye!